0: That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. we go to noisy stadiums all around the country. I'm not sure we have ever been in a scene where fans are any more pumped than they are right here tonight.
1: Waiting right now for the Hokies to take the field. They are jumping, they are
0: screaming, and it's been this way for the last 30 minutes. Frank Beamer waits in the tunnel. This is the date that they have pinpointed on the calendar for a very, very long time.
1: Welcome back to the Boundary Corner podcast with my partner, Brian Siegler. I'm Curtis Wilson. And Brian, that was the voice of the legendary Ron Franklin who passed a couple weeks ago. And I thought it was not more than a fitting tribute to play the 2003 entrance to the Miami game because, man, we, we can say it, right? If, if you're of our age, If Ron Franklin was calling your game on ESPN, it was a big deal.
0: You knew that was a big damn matchup that weekend. Um, The call was always spot on. It just, it was so smooth. Uh, It set the picture. Um, It got everybody in the mood for a great game. And as he said, there's no place like doing it in lane, man.
1: It wasn't. He had that one. And then the 05 when he called that game as well that night it was 2 versus 8 when he came back in 05 it was 3 versus 5 so for our generation if again when ron franklin called your game on saturdays he, like it it's big it means there's a lot of eyes on the country and you know he passed away 79 years old and you know it's one of those things that as our age like things like this are going by you know keith jackson passed a few years ago and when Keith passed, it's like, it's part of your childhood and your adolescence. Like you're, you're losing it and it, and it sucks in a way, but when you hear that call, it's just like, I mean, I got, I got goosebumps
0: yep. because
1: you know, we were what 20,
0: well, no. uh, <laughs>
1: 19, 20 years old.
0: When that yeah, I, I, I was, I was 19.
1: You were 20. Yeah, I was 20. Wow. So rest in peace, Ron Franklin, buddy. We have a lot to uncover tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff's happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, we obviously are going to touch on a little bit of this uh, National Signing Day. It wasn't a a busy day, per se, for the Hokies, uh, but we were able to close out kind of what we expected. Got a couple uh, last-minute additions, and, yeah. you know, we'll talk about that schedule release and uh, how it's... whilst. Overall, a little little light. We got a little bit of a gauntlet in there. So we're going to talk about a, little, a few things tonight here. A little bit of everything. But the first thing I want to hit
1: on tonight, Brian, is we've been following it. And most of Notion, who's on social media, have been following it. What this coaching staff has done on the trail in the last few weeks is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, shout out David Cunningham over at Tech Sideline. Um, hooked me up with this document. Even keeping track of, in these last few weeks, this staff has went to 101 schools. Of the 101, 70 have been in Virginia. Which, Brent said it. Yep. <laughs> We're gonna saturate
0: the state. Yep.
1: And we did.
0: And 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 you know he said it during uh, during, the, during the presser as well. You know, not just talking about. Hitting schools where we've got prospects either closing out for 22 or targeting in 23, but getting those relationships back in schools that don't necessarily have a prospect that are on our radar right now, just so that those relationships are in place, you know, when the time comes around, because it, it always does, right? I mean, yep. e- even some of the smaller schools uh, in the state, they're going to have a guy pop here or there that that's yep. going to be on the division uh, one radar. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, even Charlotte County next to us has had a couple, we've had a couple in Halifax. I mean, not a way, um, you know, even,
1: you know, Lynchburg's a little bigger, but you know, places like that. Yeah. And think of some of the mountain schools. And I mean, they literally, as we look through this list, they hit everywhere. I mean, they hit down in the deep Southwestern part, they hit South side, they went to EC glass, somebody, you know, our high school played against and you played against, they were out here in the West End, hitting up Deep Run and Hermitage. On the East End, hitting up Highland Springs. No doubt we were going there. Yep. All sorts of places down in the 7-5. From the beach all the way up the peninsula. Northern, it, it it sounds crazy, and it did seem like more than just a handshake and a how you doing. It yep. seemed like they were in there. You know, probably mentioned today he was at one of the smaller – uh, schools in the southwest and when he when they knew he was coming there were like 14 teachers who were like Hokey fans or alum waiting for him I mean it's it's a way it, it just when words are one thing actions are another
0: yeah we're, we're seeing it play out in real time right we're seeing and not just shaking the hands of the coaches or talking to the you know one or two prospects that are there uh, for that school but going by and seeing the teachers that are, have, you know, either Hokie alums or hokey fans that have reached out, um, as the day has gone along. I mean, you saw, uh, several photos with, uh, with, with teachers and yes. with, admin. um, yeah. Like, admin with, uh, with, uh, you know, even like PE teachers and stuff. I mean, there, there was stuff all over the place, guys that aren't necessarily, you know, directly involved in the recruiting, but have, they have an impact, right? They, Yep. they are they are ambassadors for the tech brand um all the time because that that that's either that's their school or that's who they like that's who they pull for so um getting in good with them and and showing that they're part of the process i mean that's big and that's only going to bode well in the future
1: it, it absolutely is so great to see that also great to see right now tech basketball going up 11 points as we started the show i think it was a two point game and i was like Why can't we just squash lesser competitors? It's like they heard it, and they have went on a massive run to go up eleven here with about four minutes left in the first half.
0: We'll be watching that, and we'll we'll talk a little hoops later on. It's always good to smash Pastor because oh yes, he just has (laughs) a punchable face. He's got a punchable face, man.
1: So punchable and everything. (laughs) So so let's hit up this tonight, guys. We we already kind of mentioned it. Big part of the night What we talk about today was the final signing day, original signing day. The class is kind of the bow on it, per you say. Maybe a few more walk-ons and things like that, trickle down. But scholarship guys are locked in. And, Brian, we've been talking about this class being a better class, even with the turnover. And I think, again, it goes to credit of this staff. Ending 247 ranked 33 fifth in the ACC. What do you think about that before we jump into some of these players?
0: I think they did a good job of holding on to what was there and kind of making a few a few good moves towards the end to kind of fill out the roster and make sure that we're a little bit better set up going into the 2023 class. Uh and I and I think they they did a good job with that. Um you know, we lost a couple um big names towards the end there. Yeah um but we replaced those with you know a couple a couple big names as well mm-hmm. and you know did a good job of of kind of rounding out the edges with some of the uh the last minute additions between you know the couple flips we had towards the end of of the cycle in the early signing day and then um getting a big one from down in Florida to kind of close out uh you know this round of of signing days so I think overall the staff did a good job. I'm looking to see, you know, some improvement um heading into 2023. Absolutely. Uh, or or at least not giving any ground considering the late start in the 2023. Uh-huh. Um 2024 is where I'm looking for the big big movement in terms of upswing in the in the recruiting pool where we're, you know, flirting with uh with the top 20.
1: Yep. Uh you know, Brent Price said it today during his presser about basically this class, you start relationships in ninth grade. They're coming in having to start relationships roughly halfway through these kids' 11th grade year for the class of 2023. And the class of 2022 was, well, it was just, this is who we are. This is what we're trying to do. Um, I, I will say this. I think you're right about next year. I want to see no worse than 33. I'd like to see a marginal gain. I'd like to break. I'd like to see 29, 28. be sweet to see mid-20s, but I think that is – I think it's fair, and it's and he is painting a picture and setting the standard of like, don't expect us to go from thirty three to thirteen in one year, because that's not how recruiting works. And it's great to see that. But Brian, let's talk about these three guys that were uh, that signed today, and let's start with this guy first, Daquan Wright. I mean, we got him way back when. When did he commit? Let me see here. Middle back summer of last year, right? Yeah, I think it was early June. Yep, late June. Late June, late June okay. last year, Six four two thirty down from Perry, Georgia. He went from like a mid-80s,
0: mid-three-star guy to a four-star guy. And, I mean, you know. He would be higher if Rivals had him as a tight end and not a wide receiver. Yeah,
1: Rivals sort of screws his composite up, but 247, who we kind of looked at more, Um rates him as a 90. So, you know, Pry- we did, a you know, mentioned a few quick things about him. The first thing that kind of was interesting, and I don't think it's shocking. I think, Ryan, you've been looking at tape. We're going to be a tight end oriented team. And Price said that. And he talks about, you know, Daquan's athleticism to the position, 230. You know, and he's just another piece of being that tight end oriented team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the thing with him is that he is that, that versatile player. So you can put him in line, you can put him in a wing, you can put him in the H, you can put him out wide. I mean, he's, he's the guy that can really do it all for you and create mismatches across the offense wherever he's lining up. So um, that's really the big thing for him. Um, He's got really good hands, good ball skills. He did pretty much everything uh, down there at Perry um, between playing a little bit of quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, on defense i mean he's really done it all and that his versatility is as big as asset um and and he's really shined pretty much everywhere he's lined up
1: exactly all right so again tight end room that'd be three tight ends now with him harrison saint germain and benji gosnell now i want to flip over talk about the big guy next xavier chaplin signs his letter of intent even after getting a mail offer from Michigan offers from Louisville um, he holds with the Hokies he had to cancel a couple of OVs to those other schools so we might have gotten lucky but 6'6 six, six, he's ran about 330 pounds now as Brent Pride talked about he had lost about 30 pounds um, since you know when he was offered and he camped here and you know he talked about this is a guy they wanted to keep in the boat right away. Rudolph when visited him right when the dead period ended. Um and he he mentioned elite size. Yeah. I think that is categorically correct of how big Yeah is it? yeah
0: yeah. Six six three thirty. Um at the at the time he, he camped here, 6'6", uh fifty five. So um six six three uh, so, uh, six, six, three thirty is a, a big man. That's a that's a big man. Um, and that that's that type of size that they're coming in and we're essentially get him in the weight room, smooth out the edges, get him in, in the, uh, on the field and, and get him some reps. Yep. Well, there, there's no, there's not a whole lot of, uh, seasoning that he needs in terms of, of the weight room. Um, game. so and that in the weight room might
1: not be a problem because the one thing that really impressed Pry was how
0: there wasn't sloppiness. He's nah, he's athletic. I mean, you, you see him on uh, the, the videos he posts, dunking. Oh. I mean, he's at athletic, quick. Um, you know, he he moves well for that size.
1: Let me ask this: when you saw him do that dunk, did you think about any like run blocks? The amount of explosion in his legs, like getting
0: a hold of a defensive end and just like probably.
1: I mean,
0: annihilate them. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this guy's going to, I mean, we've we've seen it on tape. He's got really good form, run blocking. He, he's he got good drive, uses an explosive nail, has a good punch. So um, I think, you know, like I said, Rudolph's going to get in there and, and smooth out some of those edges. But I think this is a guy that, you know, could potentially, um, you know, see some time for us uh, pretty quick. Not, not sure if it'll be year one, but how, how thin we are at tackle, look for year two to, to, to get him on the field, hopefully.
1: Well, and I think with his size, I think you could see year one. I mean, you talk about punt
0: protection, field goal protection
1: teams. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean
0: you you got to weigh that against do you want to burn a red shirt? I mean, that's essentially if you can if you can find a way not to. Sure, but if if he's your if he's your best number two, you got to. I mean, you got you gotta you got you to ride it. Exactly. Ride it. All
1: right. Well, then there was one, Brian, that kind of came out of nowhere, and Brent Price said it today during the presser. They tried to keep this very quiet. They tried to keep it on the down low. And literally yesterday, everything started flowing through, and he committed, signed today. And that is Devin Alvis, three-star out of Melbourne, Florida, 6'2", 180. Looks like he's going to probably play the safety position. Um seeing, you know, Derek Jones talked about him being the cheetah and then Pearson Prelude putting some stuff out there. They might be battling for him to play corner or to play it. Um, Did you get a chance? I know it's it's been really quick. Did you get a chance to look at anything? I mean, he plays in 7A, which is just a
0: monstrous division down in Florida. I haven't looked at a ton of tape. I did kind of quickly glance at him. I know Pry was talking about, um, looking at either boundary corner or potentially free safety for him. So, you know, I, I like him either either spot based on the tape that I've seen so far. Um, got a pretty good build already. I like that we're going with a little bit longer corner. Um, six two is probably a little taller than we're we're used to, um, but I, I like that a little more size, and he, he, he keeps the athleticism despite the extra height there. So um, I'm looking forward to getting this guy on campus and seeing what he can do.
1: Yep. And, and, you know, Price said he wants to get him to about 205. Being at what he is right now, I, that's a year or two game probably to get there physically. But again, it's one of those, there's not a lot of diamonds in the rough because this guy was still ranked among the top 1,000 players. And somehow, you know, no other P1 offers, you know, had, I think, a Virginia State or Virginia Union offer along with a few other ones. So pretty wild a kid like that slips through. Um, and, again, I think for the back end, that, that gives us another DB to work with. All right, let's talk about real Brian quick. Um, two uh, prefer walk-ons. And I don't know a lot about them, just names and seeing who they are. But I think it kind of reaches to the point, going back to what we were initially talking about being on the trail, talking about George Balance out of Cox down at Virginia Beach and Latrell Sutton. Um out of Highland Springs. Um Balance Dads played here, you know, back in the nineteen eighties. Brother played baseball here at Tech. Six one linebacker at Latrell's an outside linebacker, six one one ninety five. This is how you make inroads. You yep. see a good player. They both had offers to other schools. Um
0: and, and- well especially Sutton, I mean we, we talked about the importance of uh, you know, we we we've had back to back years of taking a preferred walk on from Highland Springs. True. Back to back years, we got a preferred walk on from Highland Springs. Obviously, we got Purnell as part of this class um, yep. in terms of scholarship athletes. So, getting those inroads is still big, and it's going to matter long term. Um, and and again, getting a guy like Latrell Sutton, I, I think he's you know i don't know if he's a guy that can eventually earn a scholarship but i think you know guys that have played there in highland springs they they know how to ball yes they do so if, if they can get some other things cleaned up in their game that could potentially be an offer there but you know worst case that's going to be somebody that can give us a good look uh you know week in week out
1: yeah and and again it just keeps building the inroads and in recruiting into vital recruiting areas to our future and yep. and and again it's also awesome to see like George, dad played here, you know, guy gets a chance to follow in dad's footsteps, which is always a cool thing, just like a lot of the brother stuff. So awesome to see that. I'm sure we'll have a few more preferred walk-ons before the uh, end of the week, probably for the next time we meet. All right, Brian. So what we decided to do is, you know, we 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 always went through these players, went a lot. You know, Brian would break them down real quick. And sometimes that would take a long time. So as we are getting into season three here of the Boundary Corner podcast, we're getting smarter, not working as hard, but still <laughs> making things interesting. So work smarter, not harder, right? Smarter, not harder. And so the kind of the way we looked at this class, and we're not gonna talk about every player, but we kind of put it into three categories and players that we like in each category. And we kind of broke them down this. We talked about, and we mentioned this before, we have a crown jewels of this class who are kind of the upper echelon for whatever reason. we call them one the blue-collar grinder. Guys, Brian feels on tape, they just go in there, they do their jobs, going to have a chance to make it. And then the under-the-radar guys. So, Brian, let's start it. Let's start with the crown jewels, and there's four of them. Gunner Givens, start with him, the highest-rated player. In this Virginia Tech recruiting class, Gunner, a top 200 player, top 25 at the defensive end position, um, you know, four star, basically in the, you know, mid 90s, low to mid 90s. He is the crown jewel of this class. Would you
0: not agree? Yeah, um, he's definitely there. I, I'd put him in probably Cam Johnson, 1A, 1B. Um, you know, Gunner gets the the slight nod there with the with the slightly higher rating um and you know just the, the pedigree that everyone was looking at that kind of the one of the big dogs in the state so um and and I like it i mean you know it looks like he's going to be be on the defensive line for us um he was kind of in that tweener um spot as as his recruitment went along there uh you know is he going to be an interior offensive line is he going to be uh you know potentially a tight end is he going to be a defensive lineman um settled on defensive line i think that's probably the best um, Place for him. Um, he's shown good athleticism on both sides of the ball, yep. um, so I, I like him there. Um, they, so they don't make a lot of six
1: five two seventy coming straight out of high school. no nah. that's 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 one of those things of like if if Givens comes in. And I think he's enrolled already, and it starts clicking on the defensive line. He's going to have potential to have a role year one just because of body size. Yep. Now, you already mentioned the second crown jewel, Cam Johnson. You know top three hundred player, um you know, and probably one of the bigger reasons he's up here is where he plays. He plays at St Francis Academy. that is an elite private school for football um six foot hundred sixty five pounds already enrolled love seeing that um how big is it to get that inroad to St Francis with cam?
0: uh it it's huge man it's huge uh getting in with with schools like saint francis and i mean we, we can just we can run down the list of the of the the schools I there G. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we 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 could run through the schools there that that we would like to get better relationships with but saint francis is definitely up there um you know with with the the, the big boys in that area and you know i i like this guy's tape. um you know he's probably a little bit um i wouldn't say raw but uh, definitely a, a a little 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 uh rough around the edges in some some areas of his game but i think out the gate i mean he's got great athleticism and good technique overall um i think he'll make an impact i don't know about year 1 but he's a he's definitely a guy that you, you need to look out for um year 2 as some of the older um cornerbacks on this roster start kind of cycling out uh, after 2022
1: it's awesome to hear. So, again, Cam Johnson, another one of the crown jewels of this class. All right, we, we kind of started arguing about the next two, but we finally settled. We had, we had a debate. We did. But the next crown jewel we looked at was Benji Gosnell. um, The, you know, the 6'5", 240 tight end, played in Hillsville this year, originally from North Carolina. He is in the North Carolina rankings. You know, four-star guy you know, top 20 at his position, you know, top 350 in the country. And he was originally committed to Ohio State, decommitted. Whatever reason, I'd have to go back and read those stories. But there was a late surge by North Carolina to try to get him in their boat and prying them essentially closed the deal on it. And we know how important North Carolina can be for recruiting. That's why he's here.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing. So, I mean, when we talk about Benji Gosnell, you know, re- regardless of the the physical traits he brings, good size, 6'5", 240, uh, going and stealing a four-star from North Carolina's backyard after they've eaten our lunch for three straight cycles uh, is, is pretty pretty fucking good. And and I like that uh, we were able to make those moves and get that deal closed, especially with the coaching change and then probably being able to come in there and finish things off.
1: Yep. So, again, big, big, you know, land, getting the footing back in North Carolina, stealing a good player from down there. Big time. The fourth one, he's been there for a while for us, and I don't think it should come as any – it might come as a shock to some people we consider him a crown jewel, but I feel like – we feel like Rashad Purnell is a crown jewel. Coming out of Highland Springs – We're still wondering what people are rating him on. I mean, you know, winner, Brian, you loved his tape of playing that three technique. You feel like he also could slip out the big end, something playing something like a five, six technique. And it's getting that Highland Springs, one of their elite guys, right? Yeah. Getting that guy to commit, stay committed, be one of the, if you didn't notice, Rashad out there recruiting every
0: day, trying to get kids to come on. And he's a crown jewel of this class. Yeah, in my opinion he is. I mean, we look at it and you know, I'm gonna give the, the most credence here to to his two, uh, two four seven ranking at eighty nine, which is, you know, borderline four star. Um composite is kind of that, that high high three, high to mid three. Um kind of bullshit in my opinion. I think he probably probably should be uh literally a a, a high three or a borderline four um in most rankings he's not quite there in a couple that that brought him down there um probably because some of them have him as kind of a tweener um on the d-line um that that might be what's impacting that but watching the tape it speaks for itself coming from a program like highland springs speaks for itself um so yeah definitely a crown jewel in our book
1: exactly so there are the four crown jewels, Gunnar Givens, Cam, Benji, and Rashad, the crown jewels of the 2022 Hokies Recruiting Class. Now, next, Brian, we're gonna look at the blue collar grinders. Um, guys tape that you love more than the others, because I know I know one of them one of them I was on immediately. You sort of got me swayed into the other two. Um, and let's start with it. We've already got his brother Caden here, Braylon Moore. And Brian, just like big brother,
0: While he a blue collar ground and there's a bunch of nasty in him? Yeah, a bunch of nasty. And I'd say he's probably got a little bit more potential upside uh, than his brother, um, but probably isn't going to be able to out the gate. Uh, play as quickly, so we'll we'll see about that, but uh, really nasty, um, really good in the run blocking game, uh, just like his brother, hopefully we'll see him um, really soon get on the field and uh, and get some chances to show what he can do, Um, but I like what we're we're doing overall with this, uh, with the interior offensive line uh, in this class, we're going to speak about the next guy here in a a couple minutes, but yeah, Braylon Moore is going to be somebody to keep an eye on, um, because he's gonna go in there, and again, that nasty guys always get end up playing somewhere, somewhere,
1: somehow. I, I have a feeling too, just because the defensive line. I know we're 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 kind of okay at D tackle. His size, I mean he he could be right there. You know, battling for that soon. So again, there might be internal fighting between J.C. Price and uh, Rudolph soon. Yeah, but, he's
0: six three two ninety, so he's kind of got that. He's there. Um, <laughs> yeah he's he's kind of right well you want to play you do play him at guard you want to play him at, at d tackle yeah i guess it's going to depend on i i if knowing him knowing and seeing his game he's going to probably that whatever uh spot's going to get him on the field the fastest yep. that's where he's going to end up he's already enrolled too so they will get
1: to see him in spring which I think better helps to get that evaluation what side of the ball he's going to be on.
0: Yeah, you can get that evaluation pretty quick, and that way get get things settled before you really get into what what'll probably be a red shirt uh, year for him, his freshman year. So um, that way he's working with his position group that he's going to be with long term because you got to get a good evaluation on him. Um, you know, really before that red shirt freshman year, so that that's going to be important. I think that'll that'll put him fast track on his. Uh, on his route to, to, you know, at least the two deep.
1: Yep. All right. Next guy, Brian kind of already gave it away. Although we've got a few offensive linemen. Brian loved Johnny Dixon out of Corpus Christi, Texas. The seven, five Sam transfer to Texas. Who's coming back to Virginia. Um, a true center, correct? Yeah. Yeah. True yeah, it's center. Not the, true center. Yeah. I think that's probably why he's on the blue collar grinder because he is a true center where, you know, those guys have got to be rough, tough, and also smart as hell. Um, Johnny not enrolled yet. Uh, we'll, we'll slowly start sp- figuring out when these guys will enroll. Well, whether it will be uh first summer session, second summer session, so we'll be getting there in August. But why did you, you steered me really hard towards Johnny. Why,
0: why Johnny? Uh, he's got a nasty trait, but again he's he's a guy that uses um you know his intelligence, his ability to get in the right place and, and make the play uh to his advantage um just looking at the tape, he looks like a guy that could uh, especially how thin we are at the position after the twenty twenty two um I think he could be a guy that's gonna slip into the starting role um or at least a two deep role um by by his second year on campus.
1: Awesome to hear that. Um and again, it was awesome to hold on to him after the old staff left. Um yeah. and, and, and he talked about when he when he committed back in April of twenty twenty one, he talked about, you know, he was he was a Virginia kid. He was an army kid though, or a, a military kid, and they got moved out there and it's almost like this kid was always a Virginia kid. It didn't matter who the staff was, I think he might have came here whoever it was.
0: Yeah, he he was looking to try to get back on this on the East Coast, um, probably particularly in Virginia uh, from Jump Street. Um, it, it, you know, this wasn't a, a Texas to VT situation. This was a yeah. I'm trying to play a VT regardless situation. VA um, to TX to VT. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and, and, and kudos, again, kudos to the staff. The current staff are closing the deal uh, on the on the handoff there because, you know, things can still go sideways. Um, you know, in, in, in those situations. So the fact they were able to stay on him and, and close it out was good.
1: Yep, yeah, because he had quite a few good offers. So it was one of those to stay on and make, you know, make sure you close the deal. All right, final guy here. Speaking of VA and the 7'5", Kyrie Moisten, the 6'4", 220-pound defensive end out of Kings Fork down in Suffolk. Um, And this is one you pushed even more on me than Johnny. But why do you see him in that grinder type role with Moisten?
0: So he has got a motor, uh, and and he's gonna need it because he's probably gonna play play that smaller end uh opposite a gun or opposite uh, you know Pernell if he ends up sliding outside. Um he's got quickness he 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 uh often pass rush with his hand in the dirt and standing up. So he's kind of got a little bit of uh versatility there when it when it comes to pass rushing. Um, really good, uh, at getting flattened fast, chasing, uh, running backs out of the backfield. So you got a lot of, uh, you know, tackles for loss where he tracked down a running back from behind, behind the line of scrimmage. So, um, I like his game overall. Again, it's going to be a little bit of getting, getting some weight on him and and seeing how he can handle that. But, um, know, out the gate, I like his, uh, his ability.
1: Excellent. So, again, our blue collar grinders, for whatever reasons, the streaks of nastiness, motors, um, intelligent play, Bradley Moore, Johnny Dixon, Kyrie Moiston there. All right, Brian, three guys we are putting it under the radar. And we've already talked about one of these guys. It was Daquan Wright. He, again, a mid three star just five months ago, and now a four star. We've talked about his athleticism, his versatility, being able to probably line up anywhere as a tight end. And even though now he's a four-star, we put him here because he wasn't. When he committed, it was just like, well, this is a good player. And his
0: offer list is still somewhat somewhat pedestrian, right? Somewhat very pedestrian. So, you know, definitely under the
1: radar and, you know, seemingly some of that extra tape with 247 made them go whoa this is this is a little different with this kid
0: yeah i i'm i was sitting here from day 1 when i watched this guy's tape how is he not a four star how <laughs> you do that it often was, you did it that. it was it was mind boggling how this kid was not a four star and i mean you know 247s updated their uh their ranking for him um you know we we looked at it when we were putting this uh, some of the notes together for this episode to, uh, what yesterday or the day before? Yeah. Um, rivals having him as a wide receiver is what's bringing down his his composite rating on on two four seven and on on three. Um, if y'all haven't checked out on three, some of the the, the folks that started two four seven have a, have another uh, recruiting site yeah. now. Um, they they've got you know rankings similar to two four seven. They go a little bit deeper. Um, Industry standard their- is great. Yep. Because
1: if you looked at industry standards, shout out on yep. three industry standards. You're like, when Brian was, I'm sure you went to on three. It's like, who's bringing him down? Freaking rivals has him at like a 5.5, 5, like a low, not a mid three star. They have him as a low three star. Even what uh, ESPN has him. He was either a 79 or an 80. Yeah. It was like a high, it was a, it was a high three, very high three star. So Pick that with on three, you kind of see a composite. Okay, go over there, you figure out who's bringing him down. All right, next guy, Brian, under the radar, Bryce
0: Duke. Yeah. Bryce Duke. Um, one of our many scholarship running backs. One of our many
1: scholarship <laughs> running backs.
0: Hey, we only
1: had a couple this class.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we, yeah we, you know, we trimmed it down significantly compared to, was it 2020 and 2021? Thousands,
1: um. But Bryce Duke out of Tuscarora, up in Leesburg, five eleven, hundred ninety six pound running back, and um already enrolled, which is great. We were up at Tuscarora, visiting again because obviously they they're not one of those. It's every ten years. Tuscarora is putting out solid players every yeah. few years, if not every year. But why is he under the radar? He won the Metro Player of the Year. He had some ungodly numbers. And I was talking to Brown. I'm like, we got to put him here because it's where he plays and who he plays. Husker Roar is not in the biggest division. Yep. They're in Northern Virginia, so they're not playing a lot of the powers. If Bryce Duke put up those numbers somewhere here in Richmond or down in the 7-5, um, he wouldn't be a – he's like an 85 composite. He'd be a 95 composite. Yeah.
0: If Bryce Duke played in Chesterfield or Virginia Beach – um, sh- every, every D one school would be coming after him Chris uh, Tower numbers he put up. Yeah. Chris Tower. Uh, <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> but he doesn't. So alas, here we are. Um, now what we don't know is, is, is does his, does that talent scale up yet? Yep. We, we haven't seen what that talent looks like against higher level competition. And we won't, um, it'll be a no. couple of years. <laughs> yeah. It's going to, it's going to be a, a, at least a little bit. Uh, but I think, I mean, you, you can't turn your nose up at that production. No, it's 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 hard to ignore that. And running back is a position that you don't necessarily the jump in talent doesn't necessarily negate the ability, right? Yeah. Uh, because usually the thing that is that you see more with with the running back position is that. Well, with other positions, I should say, not the running back position, other positions, level of talent, you're usually talking about a lot, a lot bigger players. Yep. But that, that matters more in the trenches. That matters more when you're a linebacker, uh, as a running back. I mean, as long as you can take the hits, I mean, you, the level of competition is only going to impact you so much. Only so much. Now
1: I, I, I will counter this. If you're playing 1A or 2A, yeah. Um, And now that really has me interested in something. Look up what Tuscarora is. I thought they were 3A. We're efforting this. And I might be completely wrong, but I swore Tuscarora High School is 3A. I don't think they're 2A. I don't think they can be 2A or 1A being up in Northern Virginia. I think that's impossible. Uh, Hokies, by the way, up 14 points early keep it, keep it rolling early 17 they, they're they really putting the hammer down which is great to see obviously there's been more than a couple times this year having good leads and letting them dwindle away they're not doing that tonight um oh guy just missed a big dunk for georgia tech where is Tuscarora, aurora brian
0: efforting efforting
1: Georgia Tech cannot literally buy a shot right now. Ten foot jump shot rims out. They get the rebound, layup. They're short. We hit a three,
0: <laughs> and now we are up
1: seventeen.
0: There we go. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Ah, uh, they're uh, they're Division four. Okay, so they're four. So yeah. they're not the five or six. They're four. So they're playing some
1: decent schools. Um. So again, it's not one A or two A or don't but don't. Don't crap on 1A or 2A. Guys like Jeff King, you know, Justin Hamilton, and other players have came from those small schools. All right, Brian. Let's hit the last one up. The under-the-radar guy. Still trying to figure out his rating here. From the RVA, Thomas Dale, Malachi Madison, 6'3, 310-pound guy. Guys got interest from, had interest from Pitt, had interest from Colorado, Iowa State. Minnesota, Mississippi State, NC State, Penn State, West Virginia. UCF. UCF. So good programs had super interest in him. He, he's right at the mid three. I, I, I can't figure this out. He plays for a good team. He plays in a good league. He shows production. He has size. He also doesn't scout as a scholarship, which is awesome if y'all read that story um some, some military stuff with his uh, family, he's going to be on the team and he is not going to be counted as a scholarship, which is awesome for the team, but you know, awesome that, you know, what kind of background he comes from.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a legit division one player that doesn't count against the scholarship. This isn't, you know, a chair, a charity situation. This, this uh-huh. is uh this is us getting a guy that I think can do a, a good amount of damage and, and not counting against the scholarship number. So that's huge. Um and you know, we talk he's under the radar, you know, he's he's right there in that mid three range, but I mean look at it looking at his tape, he's he's really, I mean look at the build, six three, three ten. I mean, he's gonna be, you know, interior, he's gonna be a D tackle. Um, this is a big need position for us, and I think just foundational wise, he's coming in at a size where like I said, it's it's more of a, you know, you, you buff out the edges, and I think he's going to be ready to do some damage inside there.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the tougher things to, uh, again, it's, it's where, like, the recruiting stuff kind of screws up, is any player that size as a mid-three, you know, is – it's just really tough. Sorry, having to do something here, folks. Um, it's just really tough to figure out how this guy flies under the radar. I would understand if we looked at his offer list and we were his biggest offer, right? Let's say he had the UCF and he had some, you know, Coastals and other places like that. But the schools I mentioned are legit Big Ten, Big 12,
0: and, you know, SEC schools. He's got all the big – uh G5 schools on the East Coast, and then a, a good handful of of Power 5 schools. Some of them with, you know, histories of putting out some really damn good defensive linemen like Pitt and like NC State.
1: And the other thing is where he plays Thomas Dale. He's playing teams like Bird. We we know the products Bird can put out. Matoa is putting players out. He's playing Hopewell where Henderson went, Petersburg, Dinwiddie. That's a good schedule. That's a yep. good schedule that he played against. So. Blows my mind why he's one of the under-radar guys. So, again, folks, the three under-the-radar guys, Daquan Wright, Bryce Duke, Malachi Ma-
0: Madison. So, and like I said, we could have put Daquan Wright in there with the crown jewels if it wasn't for the fact that he was legitimately under the radar. Legitimately <laughs> under the radar. So
1: the, the class in general, again, 33rd, We feel we feel good about it. Because there are some players there that had some good tape, and with this change in regime, we feel like they're probably gonna be able to
0: use them better and more intelligent, <laughs> yeah, and you know I think we we kind of were expecting a big loss in the class as being a side effect of moving on, which we needed to do, and it it you know. Bump One or road. two players aside, you know, I think we came out about as good as we could have expected.
1: It was a bump in the road, man. It, it's yeah. crazy to think when Justin Fuente essentially stepped down, we were at 26 27. We only drop about five to six spots, which is yeah. normally does not happen. All right, Brian, real quick, I want to just hit you on this and then ask you a quick question. The recruiting makeup, scholarship-wise, of this class, I'm going to include Malachi Madison just because he's that type of player. Offensively, one quarterback, one running back, two wideouts, three defensive ends, six offensive linemen. Defensively, six defensive linemen, one linebacker, and three defensive backs.
0: What if
1: – if this is you, if you're the director of player personnel, recruiting, whatever – How would your typical year look like? How would you want it balanced out? Because to me, this year is a hell of a lot better than what we've done the last couple years.
0: It's a lot better because you always want to be, like every year you want at least a handful of offensive linemen, at least a handful of defensive linemen. Um, I think defensive linemen and offensive linemen, we probably – went a little heavier than we would in a typical year, just because we have such a deficiency on both sides of the ball at those positions right now. And you always need bodies because you got five on the offensive line. You got to start. You got four on the defensive line. You got to start and defensive line. You're probably rotating a full eight guys to get it right. Yeah. to get it right. Right. So, so, so you're, you're talking about eight positions that you're going to have to be, have game day ready on both sides of the ball.
1: Yep. So you're saying probably offensive, defensive line, four to five a year, regardless. Just we're taking eight to 10. We could go 11. We could go 12. Exactly. What about defensive back? Because that's when we went three, I felt like we could go one or two more. Although I put Xavier on Bradshaw at wide receiver. He could be over on the defensive backside. He does have that skill set. Same with defensive back, four to five. Or could you go lower because
0: of, I think you can go I think you can go 4 um just because there is some position fluidity um with some positions that we have now um you know there's some guys you recruit as a safety that might end up at sam there's some guys that you recruit as sam that might end up at safety so there's some position fluidity there that that could have some overlap um but I think like 4 3 to 4 in a given year maybe at the top end 5 uh, but but four would probably be the the, the nice little middle middle ground there uh, for DBs, um, and you know some of that's just going to depend on how the cycle is going through, whether you you're still heavy at corner, whether you're still heavy at safety, and what that makeup looks like. Uh, because safety obviously there's a little more uh, position fluidity than there would be at somebody that's a true corner. Yeah. Um, like KM and like DJ last year.
1: Yep. And then the the rest, the linebacking groups, the tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. I'm one of those, I think we should take a quarterback every year. You don't know who's going to hit, you don't know who's, you know, who's going to click when they get to college. The running back room, the way we had done it, just completely messed it up. I don't think we can take one a year. I think that's a two or three position a year because sometimes you have those guys come in and it does take them a while to get going. Some guys can Take a look this year.
0: it would happen, yep, give it a few games, started rolling um you should have six to eight scholarship running backs at any given time,
1: not six to eight in one cycle
0: yeah we had we had at one point what twelve or thirteen scholarship yeah. running backs on the roster.
1: yeah, kinda insane. you can't it, do that it, <sighs> you know I feel like wide receiver linebackers depending on your offensive system and tight ends. Depending on your offensive systems, that's gonna fluctuate. You could probably get by with when we're hearing Brent Pry continually say tight end dominant offense, I don't think we're going back to the nineteen seventies and run you know, some sort of seven, eight man line just pounding the ball. But I think what they're looking to do is you're probably gonna have minimum two tight ends on the field at a time.
0: 12 personnel unless we are in some sort of hurry-up, come-from-behind yeah. mode. But then but then you take a look at guys like Daquan Wright and even
1: a guy like Drake or James Mitchell where even you can stay in
0: 12 personnel, right? You can stay we in think- 12 personnel and, and still run your, your entire playbook. They're playing the Joker.
1: So it's, it's one of the interesting things going into 2023 we'll be paying real attention to. Keep an eye on folks. See how we're – how they're balancing this class out. Look at potential voids of the next couple of years. All right, Brian. Oh, by the way, we did take a kicker. Didn't want to leave him off. We have a kicker on scholarship. He better be kicking field goals year one, much like Peter Moore did. <laughs> year one, punting. All right. I mean, it worked out last year. Hopefully it works out this year. Quarter review, Brian. No ins, no outs. Yeah. Um, I guess
0: that's good. At this point, that's good. I mean, right now we're probably going to see a little bit of uh, fluctuation as we get towards the end of winter workouts, and we'll probably see more fluctuation after the spring game or as we approach the spring game. Um, But the fact that we didn't lose anybody in the process there, I think bodes well for folks buying in, at least in the short term. Um, you know, I know some people are gonna if if they don't see their, themselves jumping up the depth chart like they want, that's a, that's another story. But at least in terms of what the coaches is is uh, selling right now, they're buying it. So 100%. I'm good with that.
1: Now nobody in, nobody out. But Jamari Connor and Nadir Thompson announced their returning.
0: That's good for the back end. And that's I'll, big, I'll let... and I think I think Jamari Connor is going to be Sam. I, I think, think he's he moving to Sam. Definitely.
1: Now, do you think he's going to play Sam and Nickel? or because th- what we've seen and what our buddy Robbie, who we're going to be discussing within a couple weeks here, last couple years, they stayed in base regardless. Like, you go three wide, cool. We got a Sam linebacker. I can run what I want to run out of here with him. Um, And I think it's good for him. For Jamari Connor to play that Sam, that's what he's going to play in the league. Now, the question is going to be, if we do go to nickel,
0: does Chamari leave defeated? That's Nick. the question. Um, yeah, it's a big one. And so so there's there's two schools of thought here because, you know, playing Sam, he's probably going to get less day-to-day practice at the things that he's probably – are the deficiencies in his game. Yep. So he that may not be something where you can just kind of flip the switch and, and move him back out there again he, he at, at best, he'll still probably have the same liabilities in those situations that he had this year because he's not going to be repping it as much, um, at, even as he was last year. Uh, that said, um, having having some fluidity there where you don't have to go nickel a true nickel package every time, that, that definitely helps.
1: Well, it helps if you're playing hurry-ups, right? If you're yep. playing a hurry-up team, just like, we don't need to sub out. We're going to go to this next yeah. set.
0: If, I mean, if you got a team that, you know, you, you get them in a third and long and you got a chance to, you know, they're not hurrying up so you can get your, your true nickel in there and get your sub package in there, that's fine. Um, but if they're going hurry up, then you can stick with your base and still not be vulnerable. Yep. Even though you still, you know, you, you don't have as many. You still have probably more holes than your nickel package has if they're going um, hurry up, but you're not bleeding. No, you're not at all.
1: All right, Brian. Well, let's flip it over to this. We're going to talk about more staff additions. We are completely away from mom and pops now. We're we're not we're not you know nationwide corporate. We're definitely regional corporate now. Um, and let's start with this one. If you recognize the name, sounds familiar, especially the last name, which shouldn't surprise you. Jalen Boleyn has been hired to serve as the director of on-campus recruiting. Um, Why does the Boleyn name sound so familiar? You ask. Well, John Boleyn was basically Frank's chief of staff for 30 years, basically from the moment Frank walked through the door until he left. Um, She comes from Wake Forest, um, where she was an assistant. Essentially, she was Dave Clawson's chief of staff um, and their on campus recruiting coordinator. So, what she's doing here, so obviously has some backgrounds, had been there um, for a couple seasons. Graduated from uh, Georgia Southern. Mom is the chief of staff of uh, the men's basketball program that we're watching right now, who was up 20 points a second ago. Love the high run.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you can say, you know, ties. I mean, obviously that's that you can spend that one way or the other, but um, you know, she's got the bona fides to back that up. Um, And I think it's going to be a good good asset and, and someone that already kind of has an understanding of, of the way Virginia Tech operates. And I think that's important. And that's that's the big thing that Pry has been looking at as he's built both the on the field staff and the off the field staff is, you know, some of that familiarity with how Virginia Tech operates, the uh how to sell it and also understanding the limitations and how to, you know, make sure that those don't get highlighted as well, which is just as important in the recruiting process as anything else as well. Yeah exactly. It's it's that she's basically been a hooky her whole life with the exception of going to Georgia Southern for
1: undergrad. You know, she, you know, she left Blacksburg at 18. She's yep. lived in Blacksburg for 18 years. You don't think she doesn't know that place ins and out. Like you said, know what to sell, know what not to sell. Now she's the director of on-campus recruiting. So I think that she's primarily going to be the person when they show up for their visits. Now the director of recruiting Cammy Nations, Cammy Nations, coming to us from Marshall. So obviously Mike Villanagrana all over fingerprints, yep. all
0: over this hire. Um, so what did she do uh, with her Thunder? And yeah, she, I, yeah, she was at she was at uh, Marshall when they signed their best class ever,
1: ever, ever. And
0: don't get me wrong, I think having Charles Huff there is helping them out a
1: lot. But having knowing someone like this saw it be done in a
0: way. It's awesome. Um well, you also, know well you know at at worst they're not fumbling the bag behind the scenes. They're they're they, getting yeah. everything done um that needs to be done. Yeah. Um you know w- whether they're moving the needle forward, they're not they're not setting the needle back. Nope,
1: not at all. Um she's actually been in collegiate football since 2013 where she started as an assistant, a student assistant at LSU um that is her alma mater. So she graduated there in 17 um, then she went over to Mississippi State um, and served as a recruiting assistant while Lagrana was the director of recruiting. Um, also, some connection there. Joe Morehead was um, coaching there during that time frame. Also, Chris Marvel was there at that point in time as well. So, obviously, we see some interconnections there. Yep. And um, you know, 1920, she was over at Austin P. Um. You know, I, I feel like this is, you know, solid resume, not blowing your things, but I feel like this is a Villagrana comfort hire from where his position is now. He essentially's worked with her, and basically he's saying to himself, she's going to get her shit done. I'm not going to have to worry about what she's doing in that office.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's two things that stand out to me. So number one is obviously the relationship with Villagrana and the comfort level that he has with her doing the role number two you know we, we talked about the resume but what the resume says to me is that she's seen the inner workings of pretty much every level of college football to some degree up to this point yep the biggest programs the one on of the, the biggest sport- programs you're you're the mill sec she's seen a uh, high level g5 she's seen fcs Yep, i mean She's seen how the recruiting happens at different levels and, and brings that experience to the table.
1: Yep. Awesome. So welcome her aboard. All right, Brian. The next guy, when this floated down to us, what was about 10 days ago? Like, we have a pretty big high school head coach. He's coaching the 7-5. He's coached down in North Carolina. And it looks like he's going to be Doing something. Glenwood Farabee gets announced director of high school relations. All right. So first of all, he's been in North Carolina the last couple of years, down Julius Chambers, down outside Charlotte. This team is thirty-eight and five over the last three seasons. They won back-to-back state titles in nineteen and twenty. Before that, he was Devin Hunter's head coach down in Indian river and he coached down at lakeland in the seven five in Suffolk, went to liberty i mean what more do you want from a director of high school relations than that resume
0: See, so, yeah what is there to say uh glenwood farabee um to me it sounds like a golf name right uh Glenwood Farabee approaches the par four ninth for his tee shot. Um, Yeah, but uh, what I really like about this hire is that it it speaks further to that point that we've been making is that um, this isn't mom and pop anymore. We're approaching this um, from a corporate standpoint. And we are looking to – Uh, improve our outreach to those high schools and improve the the relationships and kind of set things up for the future because because having those relationships in place um, helps us be strategic when we want to, um, you know, push hard for a prospect in the future.
1: If a guy has, I'm going to be director of high school relations, and I've been out of it eight or 10 years, you might have a good feel of what's coming from the university and what to look at. um, But maybe not so much what's going on inside the high schools now as, you know, kids evolve. But, Brian, let's continue to flip because the strength and conditioning staff has added quite a few new members as well. Um, And let's start by uh, taking a look at the first. To me, this looks like a basic hiring of uh, this is my right-hand man. He knows how I want stuff done. Greg Allen. Six years at ODU, so obviously spent some time with the White Galt. Also served down at Richmond before that and Marshall. Um, this just seems like
0: this is Dwight's right hand man. Yeah, it definitely seems like this is a guy that he has a, a high degree of comfort level with um, that he's bringing on. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be um, the guy that he's leaning on. Most uh, in this staff, uh, probably out the gate, just because of that comfort level.
1: Yes, sir. Now, the next man needs no introduction in Blacksburg. Jarrett Ferguson returns. Um, Ferguson, obviously a crucial player in the 99 season, played for the Hokies 98 to 01, then came back as the senior strength and conditioning coach 16 or 2006 to 17. Again, it. you said it just a few minutes ago with Jalen Boleyn. You've got to know your culture. And it yep. seems like at every level, Brent Pry is having a culture hire.
0: Yeah, every level, there, there's a culture hire. There's a guy that understands Blacksburg, understand what it means to be a Hokie, understands the tradition and... Jared Ferguson is just another example of of kind of getting back to the roots um but still pushing pushing forward into kind of a new era as well. So um I think that's really you know what what this staff is about and Jared okay. Ferguson is kind of, you know, a microcosm of that on the strength and conditioning staff.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, KJ Florence, I uh, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how we stole this guy. K.J. Florence last year, or last few years, had served as the assistant strength and gets you coach down at Ole Miss. Yep. He was primarily for running backs, tight ends, and quarterbacks and specialists. Obviously, Matt Corral has shaped himself into probably being a first-round quarterback this year. You know, maybe it's just getting back home. Guy's originally from Virginia Beach. He had went some time in Marshall in 19, Did some internship down at Georgia. So he's seen some workings of two pretty big SEC programs. And now we have him here. Really like this hire.
0: Yeah, this is big for us. Um, You know, again, getting back somebody that native of the Virginia Beach area, uh, you know, went to uh, Old Dominion for undergrad, graduated in 2014. Um, So this is somebody with deep ties to Virginia um, that we were able to kind of bring back into the fold and i think having that pedigree and then seeing again you talk about old miss um you know he also was at uh what Marshall yeah uh, from a while as well so um you know he's seen he's seen you know a good deal of programs in a short period of time um, i think he's going to be a big asset for us absolutely
1: last one matt greenhalla um coming from georgia southern so obviously you know, obviously probably has some contacts with Brad Glenn there. But did an internship down at South Carolina. And if you know, remember Dwight did have some connection down in South Carolina. So to me, it not a probably not a probably partially a buddy hire, yes. But someone who he spent three years at Georgia Southern. Um, he'd spent three years at App State as assistant strength conditioning directors there. Um probably just one of those things where you've got You got your right hand man. This is an up and comer that knows what you like. Same way, important. You got Ferguson. To me, you got Ferguson who knows the culture. You've got Blacksburg. You've got KJ who's seen big time programs and developed some big time players. And then once again, you've got the White's kind of guy. So, kind of a guy. I know these guys are going to help these other guys along.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, when we talk about strength and conditioning, I mean, yes, they have, you know, they're not quite as impactful day-to-day as, as the coach would be, but you know, we talk about a guy that was interning at South Carolina and was working primarily with a defensive line that had Jadavia and Clowney on it. Um, you know, that that's that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, GA it's the Citadel, um, you know, spent time at App State, now Georgia Southern, now, now he comes to us. I think you know this resume is is a is a guy that is kind of building there, and I think this is yes, it's a I don't I wouldn't call it a buddy hire, it's a relationship hire, yeah. And I think this guy's shown aptitude to get the job done wherever he's landed, absolutely.
1: And then Brian, there is a new position amongst Virginia Tech uh, strength or Virginia Tech strength conditioning, and that is the director of sports science, who is Brian Jackson. Um, He's had a similar role to this down at William been married last year. Um, also did some stuff down at Duke implementing sports performance programs down there. It's really interesting to – if you heard Pry talk today, basically he's – it sounds like he's monitoring everything these guys are doing. Like I know he mentioned something about like if a guy has a hamstring injury and he says he's okay – And the stuff that Brian Jackson's reading says, now something's going on because his explosiveness is here. It was here. And so he's almost like, I'm not saying a private detective for the coaching staff on this sort of stuff, but he kind of is. And then his background, he was in the 82nd Airborne. I mean, what could it, you know, what are you going to say to a guy who's done that?
0: Yeah i mean he's he is a
1: parachutist
0: <laughs> yeah. he, he laid his life out there did did that uh and 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 you know doing it in a way that you know is is even intense uh relative to <laughs> you know the, the the normal side of that um yep. and then and then coming into a role like this you know i think putting putting science behind those, those essentially the training aspects that we're looking at here. And you know whether someone can be pushed harder, whether they need to be pushed a little less, you know based on um, you know the data and based on things that that he's seeing, um, I think that's going to be big for us. Having a scientific approach, and again, this this speaks more to us kind of coming into the 21st century and using you know all the tools that are available in the tool belt and not overlooking anything that could benefit us you know, off the field and on the field.
1: Yep, 100%. A couple other things announced today. Um, Jafea Agave Winslow and Lino Lepetti are going to be retained. Uh, thank both those guys doing very good jobs. And this is interesting. Kaishan Jarrett is going to move to a defensive GA role. Um, me and you were trying to look back. We felt like Kaishan was doing something with the Redskins a few years ago, more on field than in a development role. Um Now, I don't know if this is one of those things is like as they're slowly building the analytics and changing the player development team. It's cool that he gets to stay because he is a hokey through and through probably one of the better safeties in the last uh, five, 10 years. And a guy who, him and Chuck, Chuck? yeah, if not for probably a freak neck injury, probably would still be in the league in some capacity because he was showing out there.
0: Yeah, I think this is big. And I think getting him into a role where he can kind of have an impact on the field as well is going to be good for him. Um, I don't know what his long-term goals are in terms of whether it's coaching or, you know, a higher level off the field role. uh, But this kind of gives him that, you know, he's got experience both off the field and now he'll have some on the field that he can kind of pivot uh, whichever way he decides to go. And, you know, hopefully, that ends up being long-term with the Hokies, but I think this is a good, uh, good kind of career-building move for, for him and, and something that's going to help us on the field as well.
1: Absolutely. All right. Before we get into some uh, of our other topics tonight, we are going
0: to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode.
1: And we are back. And for those who are watching us or watching the game, listening to us, Hookie's up 16 with less than six minutes to go over Georgia Tech. Let's just go ahead and put it away and make it a 20-point victory. There we go. All right, Brian. So this week, the schedule was announced. We knew everybody we were playing. We just And we knew a few of the orders, but we didn't know the complete order. And now it's kind of been laid out there. Um, Let's kind of do this by quadrants of four, right? Let's take a look at the first four games. We are at ODU, which will either be a Friday night or a Saturday game. Pretty sure CBS Sports has that. I'm pretty sure they're probably going to put that in a primetime window. So be looking at a six or seven kick either one of those nights. Um, So pretty big there. Yep. And then the home opener is not an easy task for Brent Pry. You know, Boston College and, you know, Djokovic coming back and a pretty well-coached team there.
0: Well-coached team and a team that, During the Fuente era, kind of had a snake bitten most of the time, except for that uh, that one game we got them uh, when they were turning the ball over. So uh, I think this is going to be an interesting one to look at. Um, You know, are they going to be a step up or a step down from where they were last year? I think, you know, we'll see how we are at this point. I think uh, ODU is probably a good um, a good team to kind of cut our teeth against before we get into an ACC opener yeah um because they are you know they, they are a team that doesn't have as much talent as as we do but they are a team that plays above their talent level at a consistent level um so I think that's kind of a, a good a good way to cut our teeth and then we'll see what we got against Boston College
1: Yep. 17th of September is the Wofford game or you know an FCS team um in which we need. Because September 22nd, Thursday night, Lane Stadium against West Virginia. <laughs> when, when, when when we knew this series happened, right? Yeah. And you know, it's Thursday nights aren't what they used to be for collegiate football because the NFL is essentially taking it over. But this is like a power player right here because you're talking about the 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 mountaintops of Thursday nights yeah were some of the West Virginia games
0: absolutely absolutely and
1: I think we're going to be jacked that game I think the crowd is going to be jacked I think there's going to be a bunch of people from the ages of 23 to 73 not going to work Thursday or Friday that weekend and making it a full weekend but to have that game, because you, you immediately, you, when that thing popped up Thursday, you knew that's a night game.
0: Oh, yes. As, as soon as it popped, I was like, yep, that's going to be Thursday night. Um, Prom time. Prom time. We got West Virginia coming into Blacksburg. They've got the Black Diamond. We want that shit back. Yes, we do. And that's really going to kick off what becomes a the gauntlet stretch of this schedule, right?
1: Yep. The next four games, including the buy, go as follows at UNC, which is not a scary place to play, at Pitt, where it is scary because it's so damn quiet. Miami at home on the 15th, open on the 22nd for a buy, and then a Thursday night um, game down in Raleigh. State. Yeah, it's going to be a big game. Um, which of those four games
0: worries you the most? Uh, probably, probably Thursday at NC State is going to be our toughest competition, but I'd say Pitt is probably 1B just because of how we historically uh, play when we go to uh, Heinz Field. Um, And even though I think Pitt's not going to be as good as they were this year, I think they're going to still have a little smoke. Um, They'll be good enough, and that might be, you know, hopefully we're not the same same team no. that's uh, traveled to Pittsburgh the last few years and laid some eggs.
1: Exactly. Let's hope that is going to be washed away in the prior era. The other two games are just probably the two most talented teams we'll play all year, rankings-wise, star-wise. Yes. In, um, in
0: terms of just overall the recruits that they have put have and the, and the guys that they've grabbed in the portal, UNC and Miami will be the most talent-laden teams that we will play in this period, despite the fact that they haven't always played up to the, their uh, their ranking. Exactly. Um, I kind of look at the first
1: eight games, and so much is going to be tone setting, right? Yeah. What happens in those first eight games? Is it, you know, expectations? I don't Some people are already like eight wins, six wins, ten wins. Somebody said 12 wins trying to realize what that person was on but you know to each his own <laughs> um I mean there's there's not a
0: game on here that we couldn't win but, no there's not but, but there but it, there's sir, I don't I don't think I have no illusions that we will come close to running the table <laughs> yeah
1: the best part about this schedule and let's talk about the last four games Georgia Tech is going to be November 5th then followed by at Duke at Liberty and then UVA at home. Best thing about this schedule, top to bottom, is the furthest drive this team has is pit. Yep. Uh, so they're definitely going to be getting at a lot of these places. You know, some pro hokies there. Going to get. You know, like we, we should travel. We
0: should travel well. Um, you know, Let's, you don't have to worry worry about the uh, the travel fatigue as much. Yep. Um you're not on you're not on a plane as long, you're not on a bus as long. You're, I mean all, all that is, is shortened. Um and then you talk about the stretches. So we start I'd say we we started about at the average level. We ramp it up a little bit, but then we kinda got a little bit of a of level a coast and coast into the finish. Uh, you know, I don't yep. think it I don't think it gets easy, but it definitely uh tapers off. I think it gets easy. I'm sorry.
1: Georgia Tech is like – Georgia Tech and Duke,
0: yeah, I'll give you that. They are
1: hemorrhaging players. Yeah. emerging players. I mean, it, it, with Georgia Tech is hemorrhaging. Duke's under Elko, under a, a brand-new system, brand-new
0: everything, trying to get back to Duke where they were. They're going to be a tough out. I just don't think they have the talent right now to do anything no, 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 not this at all. year.
1: Liberty, Malik Willis ain't coming back. They no. got Charlie Brewer. I've seen Charlie Brewer play. Charlie Brewer is not Malik Willis. I know Hugh Freeze is a freaking genius offensively, but he's not exactly working with a potential NFL quarterback. He's working with an average collegiate starter. And we even saw that's
0: trying to salvage a career because of concussions.
1: Exactly, which is just so we don't know if Charlie Brewer is going to even be starting by the next to last week in the season. But more so with, Liberty is all right we saw what they did in 2020 yet yeah, we lost to them we saw they had a great season they didn't have a great season last year
0: they it, were they were fine they were They're, okay but they were they were not doing
1: i think some people they were, if if they if, if they
0: were in a, a a power 5 district they'd be a flirting with the bowl they'd yeah, be somewhere exactly. between 5 wins and maybe 7 wins would be their upper end last yeah. year last year with Malik Willis with Malik Willis.
1: All right. So then UVA, um obviously they're going through their own coaching change. A lot of kids in the portal. Armstrong's
0: back, yes. Um
1: so I, I think
0: they've so that they, they won't have the same offensive line they had last year, but they've at least stopped the hemorrhaging of offensive linemen that they were having with some of the the signings that they've had. Um, but I think the overall talent level is a step back now we'll see if uh you know 2J can get them you know turned around really quick, but I think you're definitely gonna see a step back in the offensive line play for UVA. I don't think they have a quick fix for that defense uh-uh. uh, so I mean it's still gonna be the the Brennan Armstrong show and they gotta hope that that works at least for the 2022 year I figure
1: exactly. All right, Brian. So there's the AC schedule. That's our just initial thoughts. Obviously, as we get deeper into the season and get closer to the season, we will do what we did last year game by game thought process while we get our records. You got a you gut know. feeling at the gate of, of how many you think we get? I, I don't. I honestly don't. Um, because I sit here and I think most important positions quarterback, right? Yep. To me, Jason or Wells are better quarterbacks than Braxton was.
0: I, th- I think we're at least going yeah, to get like we have
1: competency on offense.
0: Yeah. Well, There's I feel like on. you know I know we're going to talk about it in two weeks when uh, when me and Robbie break down the uh, both sides of the ball, but the the competency of the of the play calling I feel like is going to be significantly higher uh, from what I've seen so far and the tape I've watched so far. Uh, so <laughs> y'all, y'all, that's my teaser for, for two weeks from now. Y'all look forward to that. Definitely um, look forward to that. but I think that alone, even if you talked about the same talent level coming back, um, you know, that that probably gets us one or two wins, um, in the other direction. Now I think we probably, at least additionally, um, talent wise have taken a step back on defense. So we'll see if, if the pry factor is able to offset that, um, Maybe. So so we'll see. But, I mean, if I had to go gut, I'm saying that's somewhere between 5 and 7. I think we might could get uh, – if, if you told me right now we'd get 6, I'd be happy with that. Um, and that's based on the roster as it's constructed now. Um, ask me again once we have the the next big portal in, portal out after the, uh, the spring game.
1: Well, well, why don't we talk about the spring game? Because, heck, Spring game, April 16th at 4 o'clock, we could see something there, and you could look at me and be like, did I say 6? Higher, higher, (laughs) lower, lower. But spring game, April 16th, 4
0: p.m., will be on ACC Network. Um, You mean it's going to be on ACC Network and people can go in person?
1: Yes, they can.
0: What a novel fucking concept. Craziness.
1: (laughs) Our current status for that game is TBD because we have weddings around the same time where you're going to be out of town a couple weekends. I'm going to be out of town a couple weekends. And sometimes, as you grow up to be an adult, to ask to go out of town again, <laughs> it doesn't fly all the time. But either way, we're
0: going to What we want to do is we want to get probably a quick-hitting episode live from a tailgate at the spring yes. game we're hoping that happens um obviously there's there's still some moving parts to that but uh we will let you know as soon as uh we both have been given the green light um both from our own mindsets and from our wives <laughs> there's your key right there
1: now let's talk about this so brian spring practices are going to start march 18th um it's something that probably talked about during the press, it really caught my ear. He talked about those opening days of um, spring practice aren't really practice days. You hear him say this today, like the 18th, 19th and 20th are like installation days more yep. than hard hitting practice days. What does that tell you? Do you think this is like his norm or is this just, this is brand new here um, and I have to do it this way this year?
0: Well, I think you probably, I don't know if we get as as many practices, but you're going to spend a good deal of of practices out the gate, especially in spring uh, with installation. You know, you're bringing along more than likely, uh, you know, some new freshmen, obviously, that have just enrolled. You're bringing along uh, freshmen that redshirted the previous year that probably ran uh, more of the other team's uh, playbooks than they ever got to look at our own team's playbooks. Uh, so the level of installation is going to be something like that out the gate, regardless. Um, it's always a good refresher to get some of the veterans back into that mindset as well. Um, you know, th- there are there are some guys on a team, uh, you know, particularly a quarterback that almost has to do this, um, but then other position guys that that kind of really they soak up the playbook. It's in their head, uh, unless it's a new play or something or another wrinkle that the the coordinator's adding to the offense they've got that shit in the memory bank. And then there's other guys that they have to get those reps to really have that muscle memory. Um, so that's why you do things like that with installation because there's there's guys that learn differently uh, that are veterans and then you gotta bring those young guys along as well. Makes
1: sense. 15 total practices, uh, Brian, um, will be the amount. And starting the 18th, they're starting a little bit later than the old staff did um, for whatever reason, I think maybe a couple of it is I'd have to look, but tech spring break is probably somewhere um, in that neighborhood. Maybe it's that we're going to wait a few days till they're back from spring break to get them into it. it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but there are two new rules that have been passed concerning spring practice. Um, the first is going to limit. Full contact to no more than 75 minutes of a non-scrimmage practice. What does that say to you when you hear those words like that?
0: Um, I think it's good and bad. Um, you know, I think when he talks about 75 minutes, no more than that for non-scrimmage practice, uh, you don't want guys getting beat up during the spring, but you also want to make sure that they are hitting during the spring because that's when you get – To do a lot more with fundamentals you get to do a lot more with install um but if if you're going to run install you need to to sometimes get that going full speed as well um so i don't i don't hate it from a long-term uh health perspective but it gets you probably a little less out of some of those practices than than you'd want i got you i got what you mean by that um
1: i want to say it used to be 90 so down about fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, that is a lot of time overall. I think again, I, I get like you've got to get physical because that is the nature of this game. But it's also, if we're looking at a safety thing, which is going to go more and more to like, what's fifteen minutes? Really, what's fifteen minutes? What can you do that you can't do in seventy-five? Now yep. the other one, this is a super interesting one because they're going to be banning full contact from occurring on two consecutive spring days. Um, So basically no back-to-back pads, which obviously going to save some on the body, but also tells me there, it's going to probably be a thing for coaches. Like you now have to be really smart of how you plan these things out. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to change how they probably, uh, do the their practices. There are going to be periods where they that that they don't include on the days where they can't hit, and then there's going to be, you know, certain periods that they include only on days that they're going um, you know, full pads. So um yeah, I think that'll just change how they're going to structure those practices based on, you know, which periods and which, you know, specific drills and things are done on, on a given day.
1: So Again, some new rules that the coaches have to uh, abide by and live with. I think we're lucky in the sense that Brent Pry is a new coach, a new head coach. You can say, well, he's he's been at Penn State and they've been doing certain things certain ways. Coolest part is he gets hired as a head coach. He gets to put this together. And then they say, well, you can't do this anymore. Cool. Well, I was writing my plan out anyway, and I can just take that into account to look forward to, which is a really great thing. First of all, right before we get ready for our last segment here. Hokie's up 13 with 50 seconds left. Pastner in the punchable face and his stupid-looking sideburns is – he's like – he took a timeout. It's like, dude, you're freaking down 13. I mean, we've seen – we saw Reggie Miller do the impossible one time. But come on, man.
0: Yep. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I I did confirm, actually, their uh, spring break ends March 13th, so they're essentially giving them a few days to get back in the swing and then going full bore.
1: But but think about the the genius of it. They're probably going to do two or three days that weekend, right? Yep. Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, huge installation program to start it right off the bat, where the guys are back in the swing versus – You know, doing it the 14th or 15th middle of the week, you know, to me that doesn't make sense. All right, Brian. There is essentially one game left in this football season, and it is the Super Bowl. And
0: unfortunately. You got one guy that's not happy on this this podcast, or less happy.
1: (laughs) Much less happy for myself. It is not the San Francisco 49ers with our guy, Daryl Tapp, helping them out. It's the Rams, and it's the Bengals. Thankfully, it's the Bengals. Yeah. Because <laughs> there are certain things we don't have to see leading up to that game that pretty much, as a sporting community, unless you live in Kansas City, no one wants to see Jackson Mahomes.
0: No. nobody. Nobody really wants to see Britney either, but definitely nobody yeah. wants to see Jackson honestly. Definitely nobody wants to see Jackson. So
1: Bengals, Rams. On or off a in. mechanical bull. Huh?
0: I said on or off a mechanical bull. I don't know if you saw that video this weekend. <laughs> Did not see that video this weekend. Okay. I <laughs>
1: But this game we're not going to do spread here but I just want to see what the line is. Rams are 4 point favorites, 49 and a half over under. Um I'm going to let you do the saving cuz I I can't right now. What do you think on this game, Brian? Who you got? And I know we're really a long ways out so if people get hurt, you can always
0: take your bet away. Yeah, uh I'm going to go I'm going to go Bengals. You know, I think that that defense does a good job of keeping them in there. I think there's a little bit more um, fight in, in the Bengals. Um, we'll see if they can hang with that defensive line, because that's the, really the only thing that concerns me is that defensive line getting after Burrow and causing havoc because the Bengals almost don't have an offensive line. Um, but if they're able to slow them down enough for Burrow to cook, I think they could be on to something.
1: All right. Interesting call. Hokies win, by the way. Let's see if we can make it like nine in a row going through the tournament next month. Um, I'm completely against you. I think the Rams are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a seven to nine point win. And it's exactly what you just said. It's defensive line versus offensive line, and that is a bad offensive line. No, if ands or buts about it. And let's go through it. Does Kansas City have an elite defensive line? No. Does the Titans have an events an elite defensive line?
0: I would say above average, but not elite. No.
1: Do the Raiders? So how they got here is they played three teams without elite defensive lines. It, I think Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to just eat all night. And where most teams don't have that one lockdown corner, Jalen is just going to follow Jamar Chase all over the field. I think Jamar Chase is going to get his, but I think Jalen's probably going to be able to limit him enough. Um, and I think personally, that defense is good, not great and i think our defense is great and we held that team to 20 points and we have an elite defensive line we have right borderline elite linebacker play our back end is a little bit struggling but our back end i think but i think this game's like 35 26 i think the rams are going to score it will um And it it's is it funny for me being a West an NFC West guy and I'm not paying to see the Rams win because Stafford and like they have their a holes on that team, but they also have like good guys, like you know. Yeah, I get you. I
0: get you. Yeah. So Brian's on the Bengals. I'm on the Rams. I'll ride the Bengals for now. Like I said, I'll. I'll... I'll I'll reevaluate a little bit, but I, my <laughs> my my gut like listen
1: Rams. <laughs> Why? I, just I mean, all, all my bowl picks
0: here. were really good, so let will see if if my playoff You're, picks are good here.
1: Yes, you, they were, Brian. Anything in the last hour and a half? Because we have rolled
0: through a bunch of stuff. Breaking. I, I think I'm good, man. I th- I, I don't Long. see anything other than the game. Um the I'm
1: seeing Mike Brady's picture making fun of Josh pastner That's pretty freaking funny. <laughs> oh my god, that's great. All right, well, if you've got nothing else, Brian, let's wrap up this episode of The Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website boundarycornervc.com to listen to all of our episodes, while you are there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and subscribe. To our youtube account and your favorite podcast source including spotify amazon and apple podcasts as always we let our buddy jason long play us in he plays us out catch him on spotify and apple music also check out his page on youtube where you're gonna see some really cool covers i don't know if he's put it up there yet uh he uh what did he do the judas priest
0: yeah breaking the law um,
1: breaking the law cover pretty freaking sweet jason um We thank you always, guys, for listening to us. Season three has started. And as always, let's go.
0: Hokies!